0: Get ready to listen, learn, and earn CE hours. This podcast features content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Welcome back to our series on nursing roles and healthcare policy. Abby is joining me to continue this discussion. If you were not able to listen to episode one, I really encourage you to take some time to listen because we really started with the why and how. Why it's important for nurses to share their voice in the policy development area and also how we can get involved in um, policy development. So Abby, I'm gonna speak for myself as a nurse here because, but I I do know a lot of people that kind of feel the same way. And we went into nursing because we really wanted to leave a lasting impact on our community you know, a lasting impact too on our profession and those who kind of are coming up behind us. And I see involvement in policy to really be a place where you can leave that legacy of positive change for so many people in the community, so many people in the profession. So do you have some examples of some successful nursing initiatives that have left that lasting impact on shaping policy?
1: Yes, Um, so a few examples, uh, the Affordable Care Act, um, it was heavily weighted. It was, um, there were nurses heavily involved in the development and the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Um, there were um, community and specifically organisa- nursing organizations that um, gave their voices of um, incidences and uh, different statistical analysis that they had come across. Um, health promotion and disease prevention p- policies within communities at the local level and the state level. Um, nurses are heavily um, involved in leading this initiative because of our experience and our education. um it, it has a meaningful impact. Um, another act um, is and it's specifically designed for the underserved communities. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, the Save act. I think so. um, a lot of people, um, so this is, uh, designed to give advanced practice registered nurses or board certified nurse practitioners a little bit more leeway in their practice, so okay. more autonomy, more independence. Right now, um, they do they do require supervision from a medical doctor. Um, a lot of people say, well, this is red tape. Um, they don't actually supervise, they're just there um, for any questions or concerns, mm-hmm. just as a mentor status. So the Save Act um, does remove that red tape and it does give these nurse practitioners um, the independence and that would meet a lot of critical needs out in the community and underserved um, communities where they don't have any provider at all. Like in um, rural so,
0: areas.
1: Um... Exactly. So just imagine these clinics, how many clinics, if they were led, Um, by these nurse practitioners that have adequate knowledge and they're very exceptional in their experience and their, Mm -hmm. um, their practice. Um, brilliant nurses. I've, I've been trained by several nurse practitioners that I've, I couldn't say enough about, um, just very powerful advocates. Um, very strong. Uh, so yeah, this Save act, it would, I mean, there would be, there are things tied to it as far as education, Mm -hmm. um, maybe some critical elements are added to their education. Um, and they would still have mentorship and that guidance and those resources from physicians, um, and medical providers, but they would have more independence to practice, um, and, and to put their, their knowledge and expertise into use. Right. Um, so this is a little bit on the Um, another spectrum of surprise billing have you heard of legislation against surprise billing yes Um, so here's another statistic so two-thirds of people that have filed for bankruptcy say that medical bills um, and inability or trying to catch up with medical bills had a huge impact on their situation
0: I could see that for sure
1: and a lot of times I'm sure you have, I'll open up my mail, just having a wonderful day. And I'm like, what is this? This wasn't mm-hmm. covered. I didn't even know I was having this done, <laughs> you know, because yes. if you're, you're having blood yes. drawn, you're not like, okay, uh, is that one covered? Uh, is that droplet for this mm-hmm. test? Is that covered? Um, so a lot of people are faced with this. I didn't even know that I was going to be, um, charged with this. So well, and it's um, not nurses. even
0: being charged uh, with something you didn't know about, but also um, there's inappropriate or um, they, they don't bill correctly. And I don't know if you have, because we probably have the same insurance at this point, but like my husband got turned into uh, um, one of the debt collectors and we didn't even know. And it was because the hospital billed incorrectly and didn't notify us. And so we had to go fight those charges and get it filed correctly. But yeah, I mean, that really takes a hit on financially. It takes a hit on you as
1: well. Yes. And it's stressful. Mm-hmm. It's extremely stressful. Um, you know, when you're, you know, if your credit is hit and you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to get credit in different ways, um, it can really have a huge impact. Um, right. But yeah, so nurses in this specific realm, they have um, the, the opportunity for advocacy um, and to, uh, these acts that are wanting more explained upfront mm-hmm. costs. Mm-hmm. And we can explain it to patients in a different way. Um, and there could be some sort of intermediary area of what they can afford and how insurance is qualified or if what what is covered, what is not is co- covered, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another example would be uh, Medicaid expansion. So mm-hmm. not all states Um, have adopted the Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you may not be, uh, you know, particularly vested in this and it may not be a big deal, but to some people Medicaid expansion, is So if that's a realm and opportunity for nurses to become involved if your state has not adopted um, that uh, particular policy. Right. Um, And one last one. Um, So probably most people have heard about the healthy people initiative. Mm -hmm. So there was the Healthy People 2020, Healthy People 2030. Yeah, yeah. So the 2030, it's largely um, focused on the social determinants of health and equitable access to health care across our nation. Um, So that's a huge opportunity for nurses to become involved as well. And that's that's maintained and uh, implemented by the US Department of Health and Human Services. So they have advocacy opportunities. Right. Those are really good. I I really, those are really great examples.
0: But as you were looking into these initiatives, what are some ethical dilemmas that we might run into or confront in our roles with, with policy development?
1: Right. So, um, sometimes you may have a conflict of interest. Um, you may be employed at a, and through an organization who does not align with the policy that you're trying to achieve. So you, You know, so you're going to have to, um, I can't, I don't want to go into specific examples because there are so many um, in right. each unique person. You've probably had a time where like, oh, this feels icky, but um, yeah. I do it, you know, so you may have conflicts of interest. Um, another ethical dilemma is reporting. So we have our nurse hat and then we have our, um, our human com- compassion. So mm-hmm. sometimes we can get confused between what is okay to report or what is okay to step in and advocate for, um, especially um, with children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So ethical confidentiality, um, autonomy, um, giving each patient their right to choose, um, their right to privacy, things like that. Right. Um, so about 25% of children in rural, uh, rural areas or location, um, they do fall under the poverty level. Uh-huh. So when you see that as a nurse, you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I've got to do something." Um, so you can you can kind of skirt the lines, but sometimes um, it's not meaningful to intervene. Um, some children are very well taken care of, even if they're in you know within the what's termed poverty, mm-hmm. um, as long as they're not facing malnourishment, um, as long as their healthcare needs aren't being um, Neglected, as long as they're not facing violence, if they're protected in their home, if they have shelter, food, water, um, mm-hmm. psychological um, comfort, intervention um, isn't needed. Just support that family from within. Right. Yes. Meet that family where they are. Um, so, so yeah, um, an allocation of resources that can be another. Um, ethical dilemma for nurses uh, in crisis during COVID-19. You saw hospitals, there were things that were happening that I'd never seen before. I'd never yes. heard of yes. uh, a scarcity of ventilators
0: mm-hmm.
1: or hand sanitizers, um, or, you know, basic things that we use. So um, in these situations, you might have to allocate things and you need to make sure that it's being allocated mm-hmm. properly.
0: I felt like we did that a little bit when we were in Okinawa. I don't know if you felt it like I did, but it was like, how many of these items do we have? And when does the ship come back? <laughs> when does the yes. ship bring us some more supplies? And how, how do we use our supplies effectively? So it wasn't as large of a scale as it was with COVID, but I did feel some of that when I was overseas.
1: I did as well. And I became very knowledgeable on expiration dates. How long after that expiration date, it's truly, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I was constantly like looking up, okay, even though it says this, what is our wiggle room? Things like that. Right.
0: Yes. Or, okay, this is all we have. These are my options. How can, which one is the best option for this patient? You know, which which one would work? So uh, that was definitely before COVID, but I can see how, That is an ethical dilemma, especially during COVID, of how how are we gonna allocate what we have to meet the needs of the majority?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So within talking, you know, we talked a little bit about the ethical dilemmas, but what about legal? Are there some legal considerations that we should be mindful of when we're trying to get involved in healthcare policy?
1: Right, Um, yeah, so make sure that uh, you're really up-to-date and knowledgeable on reporting. Um, You you cannot skirt those lines of HIPAA. Those are still concrete, Mm -hmm. unless you know violence uh, or uh, you know suicide, homicide, things like that. Any any dangers. Um, But aside from that, you still have to abide by the privacy laws, the HIPAA um, rules, because you will be held responsible um, for that. Um, Some more is like I'd mentioned. Don't don't email from your organization because you're not a representative of uh, your. Your employer, even right. if the majority, even if your manager and your manager's manager and all of your coworkers agree, it's still you're not representative of the organization um, right. and outside of that hospital uh, or outside of your clinic, outside of the home health agency, um, those specific your scope of practice. You have to stay within that scope of practice, um, and y- there are some legal things like um, when you when nurses see things like we're throwing out these expired meds that expired today I wonder if we could go ahead and just give all this insulin to Mm -hmm. this family down the road that I know that they have diabetes and just throw some syringes in there or something like that you have to do things the right way the right right method and our heartstrings are um, pulled a lot of Mm -hmm. times and it makes Mm -hmm. us we're not skirting the legal boundaries because we're um, loose cannons it's because we are nurses who have emotions and feelings and compassion that go beyond our um, scope of practice. Um, and so in that see...
0: situation, it almost, that's more like ethical and legal. you got yeah. ethical and legal considerations to think about in that. And it's really hard because you're like, it would be so easy to just hand
1: this to you and, and it would be, you need it and. Right. Or mm-hmm. a discharge, if your patient, you know that they're going to a. Uh, um, Situation where resources are limited, just to stick like, you know, thirty hospital socks in there yeah. and some crackers and right. all this stuff. But um, we still have to be held accountable for, um, mm-hmm. for, for for our actions and and those um, aren't
0: hours to give.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And right. the more we, that's another area. Um, if you make sure that um, appropriate funding, appropriate um, resource allocation, and uh, mm-hmm. it, if it saves. Your, if it saves the organization money, it will trickle down to the employees and staff, and ultimately um, a reduced cost for healthcare. So that's the ultimate goal, right? So mm-hmm. every little bit counts, right?
0: So I know you talked about some of the initiatives that, like, some nursing initiatives that have been started, but are there some current initiatives around safety and well-being that uh, that nurses could look into besides the ones that you mentioned earlier?
1: Yes. Um, so a huge one is, uh, telehealth. Okay. Yeah. That's really so, big
0: right now. I think it's yes. going to get bigger before it's over.
1: <laughs> yes. I would love to talk about this for a moment. Um, yeah. so during COVID we saw it went from, uh, I didn't even know how to sign into that. I knew that I had, um, an online resource that I could see a, mm-hmm. a doctor over, you know, a, a telehealth physician or, or nurse practitioner or provider I didn't know how to sign in. I didn't know if I had the right telephone. I didn't know if I didn't, I had no clue. I didn't have the signing credentials, things like that. Now I can do it within a minute or two. Mm -hmm. Um, And COVID moved us from that in-person visit um, to more, a more comfortable um, uh, way of doing telehealth and Mm -hmm. um, those remote visits. So that's an initiative right now to make it uh, to make it more accessible to people in areas that are um, either cer or I'm sorry, either rural locations or communities that are um, particularly um, poverty stricken. Mm-hmm. Uh, internet is another is another um, commodity that we can take for granted. Right. Um, Wi-Fi, you feel like everybody has Wi-Fi, or we're not living under rocks. Now everybody has Wi-Fi. Everybody does not. So that's um, true. Right. So th- there have been several, um, you know, technological advances. Um, so communication to these areas, like um, the bigger corporations that can help with that, if nurses join together and let them know, hey, this is how you can help people, right. um, then that's going to grow um, that resource. So that's a major initiative. Um just I, communicating.
0: some of that initiative, too, because I remember when with COVID, when, you know, schools went remote, you would see stories where parents would have to drive their kids somewhere so they could log on to Wi-Fi and, and in order to be able to do their schoolwork, which which makes it seem as though, you know, maybe we should know where those hubs are so that we can share that with our patients to say, hey, this is when your telehealth, your, your remote check-in is. These are some options that you could go to if you have, you know, if your internet is down, if you don't have internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and strengthening those resources like the location of that internet supply. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's parking lots or different facilities. Um, but yeah, it's strengthening the communication to the to the local health department, the community buildings, the. Um, uh, mental health facilities the schools um, the food shelters those different um, locations within the community uh, and posted form because some people say oh well you can find it on the internet well right. that's the problem
0: <laughs> yes I can't get on the internet so yes um, exactly
1: yeah absolutely um so that's a major initiative um it, you know There's so many things, it's sometimes overwhelming. But if you look at the bills where we had discussed um, about going to your legislator's website, Mm -hmm. um, they have different bills. So there may be something out there that you have no clue about. And you say, oh, this sounds really interesting. And another topic is you may be working against a bill. You may know that a bill or a law or a policy Mm -hmm. or a procedure is um, working against this population. And you want to do? May want to do something to stop it. So you may be working against it, um, communicating your voice, um, and, and letting know people know the right people at the right positions mm-hmm. know, hey, that there's an issue, there's a problem.
0: Yes, to let your other healthcare professionals know. Did you know that this this bill was in process? And you know, and then sharing how you know if you're for it or against it, how you can communicate that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, looking ahead, where what do you envision as the future role of nurses in shaping healthcare policy, particularly uh, when we're looking at these populations?
1: Okay, so <clears throat> I see nurses becoming um, leaders between this bridge, um, between the like we said at the very beginning of the podcast. It's a foreign language to us. We don't. Mm-hmm. It's we're not familiar. And they're not familiar with the healthcare realm, um, I see nurses um, becoming a bigger symbol of unity. Um, so, being resources because they're already being utilized um, through these nursing aso- associations, but just making th- your voice um, more um, pronounced. Uh, so, nurses also already serve in the community and they work directly with the community and these underserved populations. But in the future, I feel like there should be funding to make new roles, Mm -hmm. um, new paid professions. um, Because now we have nurses within, uh, we do have community health nurses. We do have nurses within the health department. Um, Then we have social workers. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there's such a disconnect. Uh, Now, I don't know if you've seen, there's a rising um, nurse case workers Yes. So so that is a wonderful, I, I think it's a, a wonderful um, growth of the scope of practice to say, okay, so you've got the education and the knowledge to meet these needs. Now mm-hmm. let's put you out there so you can make a difference. Um, so I think that's a huge um, future. I think we're going to see these nurse caseworkers and new um, roles being established. Um, <clears throat> I think we, we're going to see new expansion of that Education that nurses receive mm-hmm. um, on these populations. Uh, so I was in uh, my first nursing program in 2005, mm-hmm. and they did a wonderful job. Um, but healthcare policy and um, you know vulnerable populations—it was kind of touched on. It wasn't a yeah. main. It wasn't a main um, focus. So I think we're going to see more and more of these education focus on this, and more equipping these nurses, more mm-hmm. clinical roles mm-hmm. within the community at an educational level.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. More population health.
1: Um, yes, absolutely.
0: And more, uh, um, even if it's a certificate or, you know, a degree that is more in line with nursing and population health. I, there's definitely see that as a, as a space.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, with for listeners if they want to actively get engaged today i want to actively engage in supporting nursing advocacy efforts right now for these communities what resources or organizations would you recommend um, where where i can go get more information uh, or also even get to work and trying to make a positive impact
1: okay um so um, absolutely so first research and become knowledgeable Um, on your sources, uh, find relevant um, and current policies and groups. Uh, Like I said, each nurse is going to be different. Each nurse's Mm -hmm. journey is different. Um, So I would say to find um, a peer-reviewed, accredited, unbiased source of information that may come in the form of um, a a journal, a nursing journal, or a medical journal, Mm -hmm. or an um, Mm e-journal, or a blog, or a podcast, Um, anything that kind of Touches base with the issues that you uh, really need to be kept current on. Um, I would stay away from argumentative, opinionated, rather than factual sources because there are a lot out there that um, want to, f- you know, fuel up the fire, want to throw um, fuel on the fire. But we don't need that. We need a we need a um, logical solution to these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, also join a professional organization. Um, so as we said, they are state and national nurses' association, and they have tremendous impact on healthcare policy. Right. So if you find, once you find this organization, join. Um, there, once you go to their website, or if you, they have a magazine, there's all there's a lot of information. Um, become a member. Um, then once you become a member, um, get more familiar with what they stand for and, um, you know, their, their goals contact the, the, the administrators and say, is there a committee that I could plug into and how do I become involved? And let me tell you, they will, I've done this. They are more than happy to help because they're, you know, they're looking for nurses who want to help, um, serve on committees, uh, advocacy and lobbying, um, we all hear the lobbies, and we've seen um, movies where the lobbyists are um, out there yelling on the White House, you know, steps. That's not technically all-encompassing of the advocacy and lobbying at a political um, arena. It, it's a lot of communication. It's mm-hmm. more of like just, just uh, pushing a certain bill, right. um, educate others, energize others. Um, if you are a very Um, gregarious and social person and you enjoy that camaraderie between people use it for your advantage use all of your skills and your natural talents Um, so create and manage a social media page Um, uh, write for a local and regional newspaper um, or just do a community-wide activity to raise awareness that could you could uh, volunteer at shelters you could speak at colleges you could have a class at a community center Um, you know, everybody has something important to contribute. Um, and lastly is just engage in research. Um, there are significant research bodies that are, are consistently just studies, um, mm-hmm. research studies that you can plug into.
0: Absolutely. Those are some really good uh, ways to get involved. So when we talk about policy development, it's, it's part of nursing within population health and, and really taking care of your community as your patient. You affect so many patients when you're developing policies at so many levels, local, city, state, uh, even federal. And, Abby, as we come to the end of this episode, what do you want to share or emphasize about this role, this important role that is so easily overlooked where we as nurses can become more involved in policy development?
1: Right. So, First of all, it doesn't require um, so advocacy. You know, for these populations, doesn't require a significant amount of time. You don't have to dedicate your career to it. You don't have to um, use this as your career. You don't have to have an advanced degree. Um, It, it, but if you have the capacity, you can dedicate as much time um, and effort as you're able to. Um, But small, measurable. Meaningful actions make the difference. Absolutely. So go. So start small, and see where it takes you.
0: Absolutely, that's really good advice. Start small and see see where your journey takes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want to recap on some of those practical ways that you talked about and how we can get involved in healthcare policy. It can be as simple as participating in your state or national nurses associations, attending. Legislative sessions, or even reaching out and trying to work with your state lawmakers, your city lawmakers, um, and even when you're researching and disseminating your research, you're contributing evidence-based data, and that's going to be used to help in developing a lot of your healthcare policies. So, um, as you said, Abby, if you're good at educating others, teaching the co- even teaching the community about the process and how policies are made, or the policies that are coming down the line. Um, but you know, you could even go big, run for office, um, mm-hmm. or you could go small, support your local candidate of choice. So uh, these are all really great ways that you can be or get involved in healthcare policy. Did I miss any, Abby?
1: No, that sounds <laughs> terrific. <laughs> awesome, <laughs>
0: awesome, Abby. Thank you so much for sitting down with thank me and Candice sharing your insight um, into what our profession has to offer because you're just listening to you we have so much to offer uh, in policy development but even in just trying to serve our underserved populations and our vulnerable populations so one of my hopes from this conversation is we have removed some barriers for others in our profession to really feel comfortable jumping in sharing their knowledge and expertise
1: Um,
0: thank you so much abby for being here with me today i really enjoyed this conversation
1: I did, too. I did, too. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. To our listeners, I encourage you to explore many of the courses that we have available on EliteLearning.com to help you grow in your careers and earn CEs. This podcast featured content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Take your learning to the next level by subscribing to more podcasts on compelling healthcare topics.